2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am Victoria Moran, and I'm the author of Main Street Vegan and the Love Powered Diet and Creating a Charmed Life. And my intention with this program is to help you live a more charmed life as a Full fledged vegan being or on the road to that contented state. So, welcome wherever you are on your journey. We're so happy that you're spending this time with us today. We have a really packed show. That means that I'm not going to just talk at you for 10 minutes. We actually have a guest in the first 10, as well as two guests coming later. If you're hearing little clicks and clacks and compacts opening and lipstick (laughs) tubes being closed, that's because when you have a drag queen as a guest, Chances are he is becoming she and using such implements as that. And that's who's with us today. Ben Strothman who is a vegan activist in his own right and in his AKA state as Honey LeBronx, the vegan drag queen, who's actually been a guest on this show before. You can look that show up on the Unity Online Radio site or on iTunes. It's called The Wrestler and the Drag Queen. That's when we had Honey LeBronx and Big Bald Mike, the Austin arm wrestler who appeared in the Mickey Rourke movie, The Wrestler. See, we get interesting guests on the Main Street Vegan show. But today, Ben is joining us, not as Honey, but as a very devoted vegan activist who has the most exciting idea. It's called Veganize My Town. Hey, Ben, what's up?
3: Hey, Victoria. It's so great to be back on the show. Thank you so much for having
2: me. Well, I'm so happy that you're here, and I love this idea. Now, what I get is that you want this to start in New York, as a lot of things do, and then spread out to everywhere on Earth that somebody wants to take up the reins and do this thing.
3: Yep, yes, indeed. Veganize My Town is a team-based restaurant and grocery store outreach project, and it's our mission by June 15th to get three restaurants, and three grocery stores in every borough of New York City to add at least five vegan options to their menus or to their store shelves. And that's my dream, is that after we set up this model here in New York and after we have success with it, to make this model available to globally so that we could have veganized such and such Kenya, veganized Boise, Idaho, veganize Nook Greenland, whatever. So that well, all you can, defini- the world.
2: you can definitely have Boise, Idaho, because one of our Main Street Vegan Academy graduates, um, Julaine Ziegert, lives there, so she'll veganize Boise. Oh wonderful. Then we're two cities down and some to go. So tell yeah. me then How are you going to do this? Even here in New York City, it it just seems like a tall order.
3: Well, the the short answer is through prayer. (laughs) But the long answer... You know, I started by just, uh, I made a Facebook group, uh, and people can find it. It's called veganize my town. Uh, there's also a Facebook page, which they can like, but if they want to get involved, find the group and join us. And what I did is literally, I just kind of posted my mission statement and said, here's what I want to make happen. Here's a possibility that I want to create. And, uh, I said, you know, I can't do it without people. So Staten Island vegans, where are you at Brooklyn vegans, where are you at? And, uh, I literally had people in each borough step up to be a team leader for their community and start organizing teams. And um, so now we've got some teams in place. We're still working on getting our our uh, messaging all in order and working on our strategy. So we're holding off on actually hitting the streets for now. But we've got a big training day in place for May 18th. Uh, And, and, you know, not all these ideas necessarily come from me. Uh, You know, the the community is helping me to to make this dream come to fruition. So we're going to have a big training day. And then once we're ready, probably towards late May, we're going to hit the streets and start doing outreach.
2: That's exciting. That is very exciting. So what kinds of items are you looking for? I mean, when I go to a restaurant as a vegan, I can pretty much always find something.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we've we all gotten real creative at how to pick and choose and put together a vegan meal. And even as creative as we can be, I have been stumped in some places. You know, when I first went vegan, there was a little, there's a 24-hour diner that wasn't 24 hours. And that's all <laughs> I'm going to say about that. And they, when I say they had nothing, they had nothing. I mean, I couldn't even get toast there because I think the toast had dairy, just everything. But, um, you know, there's a good place around the corner from me where I wasn't feeling well a few weeks ago, so I just wanted some rice. And they're like, well, we have, you know, yellow rice. And I'm like, wait, is there chicken stock in it? Yep, there's chicken stock. So on one hand... I want to work with restaurants to be like, hey, you don't have to go out and buy Dea. You don't have to make seitan. We just want to show you with what you have on hand already, all the things that you can make. And, you know, if you're using chicken stock for things that don't need it, get rid of it and suddenly everyone can eat it. Um, so I would love to have restaurants, um, as part of what I consider veganized. You know, to to veganize their menu would mean they've added five options and they've either redone their menu or offered a supplemental insert that shows you what is vegan and what can be made vegan, including things that they're not specially creating for this project. Like, oh, hey, our our baked potato is 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 vegan. Our broccoli, when you just get it steamed, it's vegan. So those are a lot of the options I want to help them make available. But, you know, again, the short answer is that I just, I I really started this project because I just want pancakes, Victoria. I just want, you know, you remember how before you're vegan, you could just go anywhere at any time of day, like, I'll have the pancakes. And I missed that. And I, you know, for me, it's not enough to just be like, go to my neighborhood place and petition them. I want to make this a movement so everyone is empowered to be able to create this wherever they go. So pancakes are one thing I'd love for them to be able to offer. Um, vegetarian chili is such an excellent option. There's, a, there's a, uh, a diner that I go to on Monday nights after Bob the Drag Queen's show, and um, they have vegan chili, you know, and, uh, and I just get that with some tortilla chips, and I am so happy when I have that. And, you know, a good veggie burger, not the other kind of veggie burger, but a good veggie burger, some pasta dishes, and I really need the help of the community to help me. Come. Like, I'm sure my list of things is not your list of things you'd like to see there. So to, to, to finish, we're trying to come up with a list of 100 items that people would like to see on menus. And we're trying to get, you know, people, um, I forget her name, but uh, Julie Hassan, I think is the name she made, the, the vegan diner cookbook. She's on board to donate some recipes. I would love to ask you and Colleen and Isa to also donate some recipes. Um, And then for us as a group to vote on our top 10 choices. So these restaurants don't have to guess. They can be like, well, clearly the vegans have spoken. And the most popular things that would get a great response are if we made this and this and this. So that's sort of uh, that phase of the plan.
2: I love what you're saying. And what you said early on, oh, we get very creative and we figure out something to eat almost anywhere. This is true. But somebody who's brand new doesn't yet maybe know how to be all that creative and somebody who's just kind of on the line of doing this when it's easy, but not when it isn't, we can get those people with the pancakes and the waffles and the cashew banana French toast. I get it. So tell us again where we're going to find you.
3: Yeah. People can find us. Literally, if you go to tinyurl.com forward slash, veganize my town that will take you directly to our facebook group which is also just called veganize my town and you can find us there and join the the group and find a team in your community if you're outside the new york city area you can help us spread the word we're on twitter and instagram and pinterest as veganize my town We'd love to get a media storm going, just get a lot of social media going so that we can get new members because without you, the person listening right now, we have that much less power and it's my dream to disappear people's obstacles to going vegan. At the end of the day, I want it to be common knowledge that, well, sure, I could go vegan. I mean, every place in my neighborhood has vegan options clearly listed on the menu. I want that to be what is true for everyone going forward.
2: Mm, that's beautiful. And we're making so much progress. I was in a taxi today and in the little taxi TV, they were reviewing a vegan restaurant, V-Spot I in Brooklyn. That. That yeah, I guess I so is just excited about that. Fabulous. So it's starting. Gotta go. Yeah. We have to get moved to our first break. Thank you so much, Ben Strothman. Veganize My Town. Good luck with the makeup. Everybody else stay with mm-hmm. us. We'll be back talking vegan t-shirts thing.
1: Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, and thank you so much for being part of Main Street Vegan. Quite a lot is happening in the world this week. I guess that's just the way of things, that lots of vegan and vegetarian things are just popping up over the place uh, this Saturday, May the 3rd. They're going to be opening Seasoned Vegan, brand new vegan restaurant here in my neighborhood of Harlem, New York City. So if you live in this area or if you're planning a trip and you want some soul food that's vegan, they're even going to have a raw soul food Insert menu. So uh, you can check out Seasoned Vegan there on St. Nicholas Avenue at 113th Street. Also on May the 3rd, the Baltimore Veg Fest happening down there in Baltimore, Maryland. I'll be speaking. Our guest from last week, Paul Shapiro of Humane Society of the United States, will be speaking. So do check that out. And May the 4th is Compassionate Action for Chickens Day. Now, we are going to mark that event that week by having Karen Davis of United Poultry Concerns on our show next week. But on May the 4th, this Sunday, could you do something nice for a chicken? Now, I know that sounds kind of like a strange request. You can certainly not eat chicken. That would be a a nice, compassionate thing to do. But you can check out uh, United Poultry Concerns online and get more suggestions about leafleting or holding a a party in the office or a classroom celebration, and just think that, you know, we make jokes about chickens, maybe because the word sounds funny, chicken, but, you know, they could be called something else, and they are individuals. They're important, and they matter. And we'll find more out about that next week when we talk to Karen Davis of United Poultry Concerns. But today, we're going to be talking about 100% performance, 0% cruelty, one of my favorite fashion brands, Athletica V, and I'm here with the founder, David Toro, talking to me from Virginia. How are you, David?
5: Hey, Victoria. I'm great. How are you?
2: Well, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Now, I learned about Athletica V from Sarah Jeanette, who went through Main Street Vegan Academy and is now a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. And she let us know that her good friend, David, had started this wonderful company. And you know how it is about things. Once you hear about them, you see them everywhere everywhere. And once I knew about you, you were showing up at the Portland Veg Fest and all over the country uh, with tables with these wonderful athletic shirts. So why athletic shirts? How did this all get started?
5: Well, you know, I, I've been vegan for, uh, for a while now. And, and one of the things that had been a frustration of mine being a, an athlete as well is there, didn't, there wasn't a choice out on the market for athletic apparel that came without strings attached, something that came without a compromise. So when you think about um, all of those big, giant companies making athletic wear, those companies make lots of money from the animal products, from the animal supply chain. And even if they make some items that maybe aren't uh, containing leather or wool or down, another part of their company does make money from that. And so I didn't see any companies out there that were representing my ethical beliefs, my beliefs as a vegan, and, want, and, and after years of chats and comments and calls, and nothing was really moving that needle. So honestly, one day I was trying to figure out that solving this problem. How do I solve it? I said, I'm going to start my own company. And having no design training, I said, you know, I'm just going to make this happen. I'm going to design shirts. I'm going to get them out there. We're going to put something out there made by vegans for the vegan community because I can't be the only person. And I think we, we know uh, so many different uh, vegan athletes out there that are amazingly successful on on vegan diets. And and, and the, I mean, the list goes from all the guys at plant built to, uh, you know, Rich World, all those, all those folks who live that plant-based lifestyle. And it was about time we had a brand that represented, you know, this community and, uh, and this lifestyle. So that's really, the, you know, sort of that, that founding belief underneath it of really offering a real choice to consumers saying, hey, we have something that may, that's as compassionate as you are, that's as ethical as you are. No strings attached, no guesswork, no nothing.
2: Oh, that's lovely. And I'm so happy to hear you explain that because some of the people that I've talked with say, yeah, but, you know, it's just, it's a T-shirt. You know, it, it, it's cotton. What <laughs> how, What's cruel about that?
5: Yeah, and We've, you know, we heard that a little bit when we initially launched. We did get some of those puzzled looks of, but, you know, my other shirt, my shirt must be vegan somehow. And I say, well, we're different. And there, there are ways that we're different in that. First, there's a couple of different layers. I mean, first, we're owned and founded and staffed by vegans. So we live this lifestyle. You know, we're a part of the community. You know, in effect, we're tangible. We're not a marketing pitch. You know, uh, I know everyone's heard of greenwashing out there. I I coined a term called V-washing. It's like, you know, vegan washing. Uh, There there are certain companies out there that sell and market vegan products. And if you go to their website, you'll realize 90% of what they sell actually contains animal products, but they happen to have a niche of vegan. And, And so you're just helping them perpetuate that. So that's that first piece. Um, You know, the second piece we do that's different is I take the time personally tracking down every single thing that goes into our products. Every fabric, all the printing dyes, everything that happens uh, with our garments. Um, I go and find out where it's made, who makes it, what's in it, and get verification from all those suppliers that it's free of animal products or byproducts. And if they can't answer that question or if they're not sure, we don't buy from them. So, uh, you know, the, the cotton that's in my shirt I make sure that that is tracked down and certified and verified before I even think about using it. Um, so that's certainly a way that we, you know, we add that extra layer of of um, verification for for vegan consumers versus crossing your fingers and hoping. And, and that's what we're trying to, you know, again and and putting that choice out there. It's really giving people that opportunity instead of you know kind of closing your eyes and hoping that you're finding something that really you know fits with what you what your uh, your lifestyle is.
2: Well, I know from what you just said and also what you wrote to me, you said the goal of my business was to create a real difference in the world, not just offer a new marketing slogan that people would buy. And yet I quoted your slogan when I introduced you. Because I love it so much. And I know not all your shirts have it on the back, but when I know you were kind enough to uh, gift uh, the last Main Street Vegan Academy with shirts, which they all loved. the comments that I got back was, I want the one with the slogan. And the slogan says 100% performance, 0% cruelty. Cause I think the idea is people want to go to the gym. They want to go to the race. They want to go out and do their athletic stuff and let people know that it's not just Athletica V, like, for example, your girlfriend was named Victoria, but (laughs) but it's really, you know, this message is here, and just listening to you gets me so excited that that really is your message. So what's your background? You've got veganism and athletics juxtaposing?
5: Uh, So I've, yeah, I've I've been... uh... An athlete and a, and a vegan for you know a number of years uh the veganism came after the athletics part, so growing up uh, i was I played just about every sport y- you could find and then by the time I got to college, I was a varsity rugby player um, when I went to law school, I was uh, on our intramural teams um, and by the time I hit uh, business school, I was um, practicing yoga and um, getting into fitness and playing some golf and and so each one of those um, intersections of my life was always um, trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to fit my lifestyle to, you know, to the clothing and where the veganism, uh, comes into it was it's gotta be, I don't even know how many years now, 12 years, 13 years or so. Um, I was working, uh, in DC and I came home. This was when I was working as an attorney and my job in effect as a lawyer was to rationalize and make arguments. And I finally came up with something that I couldn't rationalize away and I couldn't understand why I would come home. And give all this love and attention to these two uh, Great Danes that were living with me. And yet, I'd go eat, eat a cow. And it just, for some reason, uh, after a conversation with some folks at work, I couldn't rationalize that anymore. And almost overnight, uh, I, I made the switch and said, that's it. I'm, I'm done with animal products. Um, it didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't able to go vegan overnight because I still, the cheese portion I didn't get rid of until a little bit later on. But, um, you know, no, no more wool, no more leather, no more, um, uh, you know, no more meat. And so, you know, that's, uh, that was sort of the, sort of my aha moment. And then as I went through business school, I actually was starting to solve problems of creating businesses that could make a difference. And so when I wrote to you earlier today, you know, about changing the world, like this is my, Athletica V is my attempt at, you know, how to make a mark on the world, how to make a change, how to get people away from you know, buying from giant companies that aren't thinking about animals, aren't thinking about the cruelty. And, you know, the second piece of, and aren't thinking about the human rights of it. You know, one of the pieces that's an add on for us is we make everything in the U.S. We don't import any fabrics. We use everything that's domestic. We work with small producers that are paying fair wages. We're not, you know, going to uh, countries that, you know, their human rights and animal rights records, uh, you know, are, are, are really suspect. So that's the way I think I want to change things and try to make that mark.
2: I love that. And, you know, it's one plus one plus one. I know that's the same philosophy of Leanne Hilgard at Vaute Couture making her wonderful uh, vegan winter coats. And I also love when things kind of come together from the left and the right. When you talk about it's made in the U.S., You know, there are people who maybe aren't so interested in in some of the other aspects that that vegans are interested in, but they're interested in Made in the U.S. And there's so many ways that we can come together when you think about trying to live a life that is 100% ethical. So when you are are looking at your own business, and I know you have an academic background in, in business, there are lots of vegan startups. Some of them do very well, and I get a sense that a lot of them don't what's your advice for somebody wanting to start a vegan business
5: uh, you know i'd say for people you know looking to start vegan businesses that they need to really stay true to you know what that philosophy is so there are lots of ways you could probably cut corners uh, i think and i've seen by the way starting an apparel company is not <laughs> the easiest thing in the world um with all the different things that we have to do to, to try to to make sure it's vegan but we could have turned a blind eye to um, some of the fabric source thing, or when we got a less than um, certain answer from somebody about whether or not the fabrics were cruelty free, uh, you know, we could have made some compromises. And it's a, it's a long road, uh, but I think that as long as you stick to it and stay true to those beliefs and, and remember those beliefs and why you started something, uh, it really is going to help you out in the end. I mean, quite honestly, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's 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 no difference between say, a vegan business, a non, non-vegan business, when you're looking at the dollars and cents or, or some of the technical aspects. But when it comes to the marketing and the way that you're pitching it and the passion you put behind it, I think you need to wake up every day and say, I'm doing this because of that veganism and because of my belief in this, in this lifestyle. And that, that's helped us, and that's definitely helped us spur along and really you know, stay true to what we want to do and really make a difference in everything.
2: Oh, that's so exciting. I'm talking with David Toro of Athletica V Sportswear. Their website is athleticav.com. They're also on Twitter at Athletica V. Now, you have a new line coming. Tell us about that. We do.
5: We do. So uh, we've gotten some great feedback. Uh, We we launched actually in September with uh, an initial line. Uh, of some performance wear and, and, and some cotton t-shirts. And we got really excited for this for 2014. And we're putting the finishing touches on um, some t-shirts and tank tops for early summer. So we came up with, a, we, we got a new fabric. Uh, so it's a, a stretch cotton uh, based mm-hmm. on some feedback that we got from folks. People love the feel of cotton. But being yes. performance wear, you know, we want to make sure that we um, you know, have this nice soft hand. So nice soft feel to the shirts, but it still has a stretch to it. So it moves with your body. And it doesn't, uh, doesn't get in your way uh, when you're working out. And so we're going to actually be launching on Kickstarter in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to uh, put this line up there on, on Kickstarter. And we're going to have t-shirts and tank tops for men and women. Um, and uh, you know, so we're just really looking forward to it. And it's, it's, a, it's a great way to start off the summer. Great way to, to uh, you know, make sure that your workouts are appropriately geared so you have everything you need. So that's certainly coming out soon, we and we can't be more excited about it.
2: Oh, that that is really exciting, because the tank tops are new. I've got T-shirts, but not tank tops, tops so I'm going to have to yeah go shopping for summer. You know, it's yeah. really interesting. I think that a lot of people that work out, and certainly if they work for themselves like I do, I spend most of my life in athletic wear, even though I don't consider myself an athlete, and so, if somebody like me needs athletic wear six days a week, you got a good business going. So this is this is all exciting. So, where again do we find you?
5: So, uh, we're going to be selling uh, directly on the website as we get going. But this this first line is actually going to be done through Kickstarter. So, so uh, cool you know, the, the the crowdfunding. So that's that's actually one of the things that we're we're looking forward to doing is is putting it out there for the community and saying you know this is going to be. You know, the, the community test, we're kind of almost thinking about like the beta phase where we're saying, hey, here's this great line, this great top, we're putting it up on Kickstarter, you know, and, um, and we'll take it from there.
2: And um, when so, will that happen?
5: And we're going to be launching that in the next couple of weeks. So okay. probably, you know, right about the middle of May, we okay. will have that up there on Kickstarter. So
2: very excited. Okay. Exciting. So check out athleticav.com for now, and that will direct us to Kickstarter.
5: Yes, it will. Uh, okay. uh, the website and our Twitter feed will, uh, will keep everybody informed and uh, we'll let everyone know when that launch is going to happen.
2: Okay, very good. And real quick before the break, do you have anything athletic coming up or are you too busy being in business?
5: Um, I am uh, some days too busy uh, being in business, but I am training to get back into rugby. It's only been about um, 10 years. So I am I am hopefully by the fall will be will be um, once again on the rugby pitch. Which That is really-
2: so exciting. You know, we have vegan athletes in so many sports. It's almost like we need a big spreadsheet of all the Olympic events and all the team sports and just make sure we're represented in all of them. And if there's one that's missing a vegan. Well, gosh, I guess somebody just needs to go do the shot put. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Thanks so much, David. David Toro of Athletica V. Get yourself a shirt. They're fabulous. Stay with us. We'll be back with Jeff Goffman, the cool vegetarian.
6: Life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination.
1: This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths of healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend, and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today, online at dailyword.com. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Everybody, welcome back to the third segment of today's Main Street Vegan show. If you want to join this conversation, you can call us at 888-558-6489. I am going to be speaking with Jeff Golfman, the author of The Cool Vegetarian, the Ultimate Guide for a Veggie, Vegan, and Raw Life. I met Jeff a couple of years ago at the New York City Green Festival. He interviewed a lot of the speakers. He interviewed me. He was a speaker himself, made some great video uh, for his wonderful website, thecoolvegetarian.com. Jeff has been an eco-entrepreneur for the last 24 years, like our previous guest. He has a background in business. He's the co-founder of Prairie Pulp and Paper, which is active in researching and developing recycled agricultural straw fibers into chlorine-free, sulfur-free paper. So you are a real Enviro guy, Jeff. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, Victoria.
2: Well, it's wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to be looking at your beautiful book. Now, everybody who sees your book Sees on the bottom, forward by Woody Harrelson, so tell us about that, and then we 'll talk about what's inside the pages
4: <laughs> well, uh, Woody and I have been business partners in our tree free paper company for the last sixteen years, and so he um, he's been a huge inspiration to me over the years. He was the one that actually introduced me to uh, to raw food in the first place. I had never heard of raw food. And then I met him and all the people that he was hanging out with that were doing raw food and it just really opened up my eyes. So he's uh, he's been a real mentor and a teacher um, and um, a real inspiration for me.
2: That's so exciting. He, he seems like a really great guy. He was at Candle Cafe West when the Main Street Vegan Academy group a couple of, of sessions ago went there for dinner. Now, of course, I didn't go because I was being the good teacher and staying in and making all the plans for tomorrow. But I know Joshua Catcher of the Discerning Brute had dinner with him and our students got to meet him. So that was a real thrill for them. So were you vegan or vegetarian before you went raw or did you do it all at once?
4: Um, I was a vegetarian for about 10 years and then I went vegan. And then I went back and forth for many years between vegan and vegetarian. And then um, when I when I met Woody, I was vegan. And then uh, he took me to uh, Giuliano had a restaurant up in San Francisco many years ago, and uh, he took me there and it opened my eyes to this whole world of raw food. And that's that's when it happened. So yeah, so I I, I went you know I took the easiest path, which is going from vegetarian to vegan and then to raw. But I know some people like to just jump in headfirst, um, but that wasn't for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, I took the gradual path. And mm-hmm. I'm not raw, but I love raw. I'm writing my, my next book, The Good Karma Diet. And what I'm talking about is, is being high raw, especially in mm-hmm. the warmer weather. But I know the weather doesn't seem to affect you much because you've spent a lot of your life in one of the coldest cities on the planet. And you've been raw there, how do you do it?
4: Well, the first thing I would say is the weather totally does affect me it um you know I'm not a fan of the cold weather, and i every every moment I can get, I try to be in warmer weather. so it was especially challenging for me um living in canada i mean i I've grown in Canada i've spent my whole life in Canada, and as I'm sure you're well aware, it gets really cold up here in in the wintertime in fact um today you know it's i think it's only 44 45 degrees fahrenheit today so it's you know we're talking you know tomorrow's may first and it's only 44 degrees fahrenheit so it's a, it's a it's a cold place where we live in canada um so there's a lot of ways that you can do raw food or, or, or vegan food in a colder climate, but if you don't do it um, effectively, you might not really enjoy it and you might be really turned off by it. And so um, I can give you a couple of you know, tips that I, I like to follow. Uh, oh, if you please. Like.
2: We love tips.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the, the first few things that I'll mention have actually nothing to do with the food uh, and they have to do with, with your clothing and, Um, that might seem, seem obvious, but a lot of people don't get it right in the colder climates where like your footwear, it's so important that you have like really like warm socks. And I get these really technical, like warm, high grade socks that I wear and I wear, you know, I wear boots. Um, you want to wear as much mitts and gloves and hats as possible and layers as possible as you can. And again, it might seem so obvious, but a lot of people try to be cool and, and not dress you know, like like super warm, they rather look good fashion-wise. And uh, when it's really cold, it's just, you know, just go for the warm instead of, uh, you know, instead of the fashion. So that's the first one. Um, the other thing that, that I find that really helps in, in the colder climates is to exercise a lot. And that's the same for the, for the warmer climates too, but especially in, in the winter, if, you're, if your system isn't working really effectively, if you're not really, you know, sweating uh, three, four times a week, uh, through exercise, you're you're going to have, you you're not going to function very well. Your body's really going to slow down, and I find that that really is um is a really good thing for me in the winter time. Sometimes I'll go running outside in the snow, uh, but usually in the winter I'll you know I'll go to a gym and workouts with weights or go to the treadmill, those kind of things. Um, and the third one, oh, we'll get to the food in a second, but the third one is uh, infrared sauna is really beneficial in the, uh, the, uh, the wintertime. And uh, if you can get yourself into the sauna, again, it helps you clean and warm you up from the inside out. And, uh, of course, hot, hot baths and hot showers and all those kind of things really help as well. But in terms of the food, um, there's a lot of tricks to doing raw food in the wintertime. And some of them are as simple as having some spicy foods um I like to use cinnamon and nutmeg and you know and and peppers and and things like that to you know ginger and um, garlic and things like that that will help you warm yourself up a little bit in the wintertime um so that that's really helpful. Um, the other thing you can do if you want to stay you know hundred percent raw is you could um, you could um, heat up your food. To you know, like 104 degrees, 108 degrees. Some people think you can go up to 110 degrees without it, you know, technically being not raw. So you can still have warm food, and 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 don't feel that that's a sacrifice. Like if you think about, like uh, you're going for a hot tub or a whirlpool, you know, that's like 103 degrees, and it's really hot in there, right? right. So if you if you like really hot in a, in a hot tub at 103, 104 degrees. So, you can have food that's 104, 105, hundred and four hundred and five hundred and eight degrees, and it's still technically raw, so you could heat up the food and have it warm. The other thing that some people do is they heat up their plates and their bowls and stuff like that, like you could put them into into your oven or you can put them into your plate warmer if you have one of those and um and you can have warm plates and warm bowls so that when you put the food in there it it feels warm uh, Another really good trick. Is to just run hot water over the food, and then it warms it up a little bit as well. Um, some of some raw foodists don't do teas, but if you're going to do tea, um, you could have like hot tea all day long that could keep you warm through the winter time. And that's a really nice thing. What I have done at times is you just keep a thermos with really hot tea with you, and then you carry it around with you for the day, and it keeps you warm. Uh, so that's also another really good tip. And you know when you do all those kind of things. Um, you can really get, get through it. Uh, I, I would say that the, the toughest thing about living in a northern, northern climate in the wintertime is the, we don't have the same level of um, fruit and vegetable quality in the wintertime. And, and that gets, um, mm-hmm. um, if you're not creative, it gets a little depressing because we don't have, you know, there's no local foods mm-hmm. growing when there's snow on the ground and um you know in 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 most of canada you're only getting harvest you know maybe 3 4 months out of the year where you're actually getting like a garden that can give you you know uh, vegetables or fruits that are in in season so it most of the food in that time if you're going to have fresh stuff it's coming in from the southern uh, united states or from um all over the world uh, you know mexico and, um um asia all that kind of stuff so you have to put a little bit extra effort in, in the winter time to get high quality fruits and vegetables. And, uh, so that, that, that takes a little bit of extra effort. And usually that involves, uh, going to, uh, you know, a really high end, uh, farmer's, uh, co-op or a, uh, health food store or, or things like that. In the summertime, there's tons of access to, uh, to really high quality organic and local fruits and vegetables. But again, that only lasts for a few months out of the year.
2: Well, you are just my mentor now for being more raw through through next winter. I'm going to put on my calendar to call you round about the middle of November <laughs> and get some moral support. This is great because I have looked at it for several years since I have been eating more raw food that, you know, you just kind of eat almost all raw in the summer and quite a bit less in the winter. And that's the way it goes unless you retire to Florida but I was reading something, I was at the um uh Worcester, Massachusetts Veg Fest and one of the local magazines there, someone had written that she likes to make sure that she gets a lot of raw food in the winter because she's not getting any sunlight. And she feels mm-hmm. that with the fresh mm-hmm. raw food, that's how she gets her sun.
4: I love I that. I it? think that's beautiful. Isn't it? I think it's beautiful. Yeah.
2: And, and I, more of a motivation. I, I,
4: yeah, I think it's it's tricky, right? Because it's so cold outside that your natural instinct is just to like have warm, warm, warm. But you can get that warm, you know, from from the shower, from the exercise, from the infrared sauna, from the the plates, from the tea. There's so many places you can get it. Um, I do find, though, that I do adjust my eating in the wintertime. I find that I eat much higher fat content in the wintertime because, it, 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 you know, you want to like, you know, hibernate a little bit in the wintertime and put on that, that winter fat. And then in the summertime I find that my diet is much more focused on um less fat and, you know, more fruits and vegetables and um you know greens and you know, those kind of things. I find that I do a lot more juices and smoothies in the um in the summertime, whereas in the wintertime I'll do things more like a like a cheer pudding, um, you know, that's really you know, thick and creamy and, and really filling and, you know, like those kind of things. I find that, that, that I, I adjust what I eat uh, based on, on, on that. Like, I think about like a time when you're in like the, the tropics where it's like super hot outside and you could, you could survive just on a little bit of fruit through that day by being outside in that, in that kind of climate. But, you know, when I find when it's real cold, uh, I I want a much higher fat content.
2: And that, makes perfect sense i i watch the squirrel in my courtyard <laughs> what he's doing in the fall and and the winter and, and, and the other times of year. yeah. The book is The Cool Vegetarian, and I want to be clear that in this book, Jeff Goffman talks about being vegetarian, vegan, and raw. It's not all about raw. I'm just finding it so fascinating that that's what I'm asking about. But I want to read, Jeff, your definition of a cool vegetarian. You say, a cool vegetarian is a person who is happy, emotionally grounded, Intellectually stimulated, vibrant, energetic, positive, and well balanced. Well, who wouldn't want that? And how did you come up with that?
4: <laughs> well, as I hear you reading that, I'm thinking I still have work to do. Um, we all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's it, it's this tricky thing with the cool vegetarian. I uh, I don't want anybody thinking that I'm thinking I'm the cool vegetarian. It's not like that. It's more like. I see myself as the tour guide to find all these cool people that are out there, like yourself, Victoria, who's been on, on our channel and, and others and all these, I think there's 250 videos that we've put up on the channel so far. So I really see myself as the tour guide seeking out these cool folks and then bringing them, um, you know, bringing them some more exposure and sharing them with our audience. Um, So, so I think that's the first thing, but in terms of how did, I come up with that concept, it just seemed to me that um, the concept of cool in our society, you know, you can think back, I don't know how many years, but there's always been, you know, the cool crowd, whether it be, you know, from James Dean up to, you know, Brad Pitt or, you know, the, the social media circles or the the paparazzi circles or, or whatever you have. We always have a definition of what cool is. And, and I think in today's society, our definition of cool is, kind of skewed right now, you know, and a lot of people that I'm seeing right now are doing things which I think are totally uncool, whether they be, you know, too much, you know, whatever it is, debauchery and excess. And yet our society seems to value that and and hold that up as cool. Um, And so many things that are unhealthy for the mind, body and spirit today are considered to be cool. And so I was looking to make a new definition uh, and to try to redefine what that is. And and that's, that's how I came up with it. And I think it, I don't know, personally, it's something that I'd like to aspire to. And, and I feel like I, I do my best each and every day to uphold that.
2: Oh, that's lovely. That That is such a great concept. And I think that so many aspects of, of what the media and the culture talk about as cool are actually things that vegans can very easily uh, achieve if they want to and we're talking about that glow, the great skin, the the good body, all these things that people want to have. But then underneath that, this real commitment to to it sounds so cliche, but love and peace and compassion and the things that really matter. Now, some people would say, "Well, I know something else that matters. That's cupcakes." And somebody did call in just a moment ago and said that we are coming upon, in fact, we are in the midst of the 5th Annual 6th Continent Worldwide Vegan Bake Sale. Not exactly raw, <laughs> but really vegan, and it's looking really fun. So if you go to veganbakesale.org, It's happening April 26th through May 4th, 2014. You're invited to contact the good people at Worldwide Vegan Bake Sale, hold your own bake sale, raise money for your cause, promote delicious cruelty-free food, and be part of a fun global event that helps people, animals, and the planet. So thank you, veganbakesale.org. I would say you sound like a pretty cool vegetarian. So, <laughs> Jeff, you've got some wonderful recipes in in this book. Is there one that's a favorite?
4: Oh my God. Uh they're all so great. And uh, you know, Manuela Scalini, who I worked with um from Brazil, she just she just rocked it, you know, because I I brought her a concept. Um, And I said, here's the concept. We want to do raw. We want to do vegan. We want to do it so it's really low fat. And we want to not use oil or salt or any sweetener. And so she was like, she she looked at me like... Oh, she she definitely was not happy when I told her that at the very beginning. But I said, "Hey, take it as a challenge, right? Like you can really, you can excel at this, right? Like if we use no sweetener, we use no oil, we no use no salt, and it's it's all raw vegan, we can make this a really unique kind of thing." Mm-hmm. And she rose to the challenge, and she she really did great. And I can't I can't pick a favorite, but I'd say that every day. My personal, like, where my personal go-to foods on a on a daily basis is the blueberry smoothie. I just I just can't get enough of blueberry smoothie. I just I just love it. Uh, so that one's amazing. the The chia pudding, which I mentioned earlier, is is divine. Um, all the salads that are in there are really, you know, the rainbow salad would probably be my favorite go-to. And in fact, I had um, a friend of mine that I introduced raw food to a number of years ago she was suffering from MS and she connected with me a few months back and she said that she ate the rainbow salad every single day for two years and her MS is now gone and she's not taking any medication and she's doing amazing. So um, that that one, the rainbow salad actually is if, if you ever take it to a potluck or a dinner party, it, it'll be the favorite uh, food of the entire event. Like everybody will eat it. It's like that kind of, uh, it's that kind of salad.
2: Yeah, well, let me just tell people, I, I won't read every single amount. And that's a great thing about raw food. The amounts don't matter so much. If you're trying to bake a cake, you need to measure. But if you're making a salad, you know, just toss it in. So we've got lettuce, tomatoes and cherry tomatoes, cucumbers, green onions, leek, red or yellow pepper, raw sauerkraut, mm, and um, avocado. And the dressing is a combination of tahini Apple cider. Is that apple cider vinegar we're talking about? Yeah, um, apple cider
4: vinegar. Yeah. Apple yeah. cider
2: vinegar, dill. I love dill. Italian seasoning, lemon juice, and dulse, which is a sea vegetable. Well, that sounds just fantastic. And those are all things that yeah. you, uh, ingredients that you can get pretty much year-round. So that's exciting. I also like the eggless egg because I think a lot of people miss anything that's eggy. I remember going to a raw restaurant in uh, Brooklyn and ordered something called a fried egg. And I mean, I haven't had an egg in 30 years, but this really looked and tasted every bit like egg as, as I remember egg. And I said to them, what is this made out of? And and I, the woman said, um, agar and, um, Irish moss. (laughs) It's like, Mm. how do people come up with this? But yours is, is based on young coconut celery, minced onion, and and some spices. So I am going to try that. You know, I think one thing that hangs up a lot of people about raw food is the coconut thing because it seems so hard to cut a coconut. And a lovely <laughs> friend of mine, Sandra Joseph, who who's an opera singer, she actually was in Phantom of the Opera playing Christine for 13 years, lovely vegan, high-raw person. And she's developed or, or discovered a prod, product called the Coco Jack which looks like a a kind of cutting device and a mallet that helps cut those coconuts. So I asked her to get me one and hopefully I'll be making your eggless egg quite a bit. Once I can get that coconut open.
4: Nice. Nice. I actually have a video that I made when I was in Thailand uh, a couple of years ago where um, it's called how to open a coconut or something. I think it's called how to open a coconut. And um, I, uh, I follow a, um, a local coconut vendor and i teach you how to do it in four cuts and uh but you do need a meat cleaver so you know you need a, that's the best thing is you buy a meat cleaver then four cuts boom 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 it's open and you got yourself a great coconut but you should check out this check out this video it's really funny um and we it follows this guy that climbs up the tree and gets the coconuts and then teaches you how to cut it
2: so. and that that's <laughs> on your site the cool vegetarian.com correct
4: yeah, it's a funny video. I, I enjoy it.
2: <laughs> okay, so that's where we can find all your wonderful videos, thecoolvegetarian.com. dot com.
4: Yeah, and it's Sorry. all it's all every, everything on the website is free, so it doesn't cost you any money to go there and check it out.
2: Ah, uh, that's wonderful. Well, the best things in life are free, so there we go. In the last twenty seconds, a final word on being a cool vegetarian.
4: Uh, I would say that you know there's a perception, or maybe it's an older perception about vegans that, you know, maybe we're not cool or we're too hippie or something like that. And it doesn't have to be that way. We're now mainstream. We're mainstream, main street vegans right now. And I think that it's so easy to be vegan and be cool and be integrated in, in society. It, it's, it's really great. You know, so that's how I feel. I feel we can be main street vegans, fully integrated and uh, happy, balanced, cool.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for all the great work you do. Jeff Goffman, the book is The Cool Vegetarian. The website is thecoolvegetarian.com. Please be with us next week when we have Karen Davis from United Poultry Concerns. And in the meantime, God bless you and eat your lots of raw veggies.
6: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Things may happen around you. Things may happen to you.
0: But the only things that really count are the things that happen in
2: you.
1: This meditative moment from Rev. Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you, who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth.